Hi, everyone. Brian here. Before we start the program, just wanted to take a moment and uh, mention the severe storms that went through Nashville last night. One of them turned tornadic and tore through parts of Nashville for anybody who's familiar with the city and the parts of the city, Five Points, Germantown, et cetera, et cetera, just leveled in parts by that tornadic activity. And it reached all the way from Metro Center in Northwest Nashville, all the way out to Lebanon, which is roughly 30 miles. The severe weather traveled even further east into Putnam County and along Interstate 40. I realize this is an ACC show, but for those of you who are not aware, I spent 12 and a half years of my life in Nashville. Uh, I spent a lot of formative time there have a lot of friends there, a lot of former co-workers there. I love that town. That town means a lot to me. If I look at who I am now as a person, a lot of it has to do with my time spent in Nashville. I ask you, I beg you, please lift up that city in prayer. Please remember those who live in Nashville. There are multiple fatalities already reported, and who knows how many we'll see as the days wind along. But if you can help through a donation, whether it's monetary or clothing or whatever it may be, please consider doing that. If you are one who prays again, please lift up that city and its residents in prayer and that entire area. I remember many nights waking up to severe storms coming through that area and lived through a few over there. And the, the damage is unfathomable. So as you go through your day, just please... Keep Nashville and the Music City and the greater community in your thoughts and your prayers. Anything you can do to help, they would greatly appreciate it, as would I. On with the show. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Ladies and gentlemen, good day. Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. Known in circles of those of you who care about politics is Super Tuesday. But for us, it is Locked On ACC Time. I am Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. I am from FB Schedules and College Hoops Digest. Glad to make your acquaintance. If you want to follow the program, you can do it. We are on Twitter. We are at Locked On ACC. You can also email us, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Also, I am at Sports Matters on Twitter if you want to follow me. All one word. No underscore. No space. Now, there could be a space. Wanted to update a story we had yesterday. We talked about Georgia Tech taking its postseason ban and making itself essentially ineligible for the tournament this year. And we didn't have, at the time we taped, we didn't have the fallout for the ACC tournament. We now do. Tuesday in Greensboro is just two games now. The numbers 12 and 13 seeds will play at 430 next Tuesday. The winner of that game will advance on and play the five seed as anticipated. The numbers 11 and 14 seeds will play at 7 o'clock. The winner there will go on and face the number six seed. The only real difference, the 10 seed automatically advances. So the 10 seed will face the seven seed that a seven o'clock tip 
on Wednesday, March 11th. There are four games that day, numbers 8 and 9 at noon. The 12-13 winner against the 5 winner at 2. The 7 and 10 seeds at 7. And the 11 and 14 seed winner at 9. There's your ACC fallout for the tournament for Georgia Tech not being eligible for the tournament this year. We had one game around the ACC last night, and you may recall in this program just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about NC State throttling Duke. You'll recall we had Coach K's comments after that game and wasn't very impressed with his team. After last night, I'd say they'd return the favor. Duke 88, NC State 69 in Durham. We do a feature on College Hoops Digest called Inside the Numbers, and I want to go inside the numbers on this one. I know we've kind of started adopting that on the program, but I want to go inside the numbers here because there's a lot to digest from this game. Pardon the pun. Five double-digit scorers for State. Outside of those five double-digit scorers, State contributed five points. You had three 14-point scorers for NC State. C.J. Bryce, Devin Daniels, Jericho Hellams. Bryce, five of 14 from the floor. Daniels, six of 13. Helms 5 of 12, so they did lead their team in scoring, but they had to put in a lot of work to do it. DJ Funderburk, Markel Johnson with 11 each for NC State. They also had to put in a lot of work, 4 of 7 and 4 of 11, respectively. State shot 43.3% from the field, although, and Keats actually made some kind of reference to this a couple of times in his postgame presser, talking about Duke switching to a zone and somewhat flummoxing state at times. They did shoot over 43%, but they were really out of sorts, particularly in the second half. They shot 37.5% in the second half, and it really started to show that Duke was wearing down the pack. Five of 21 from three were the Wolf Pack, just 23.8%. They were particularly struggling in the second half. They were two of 11, 18.2% were the pack from three in the second 20. 12 of 19 from the line for NC State, which is also kind of rough, just 63.2% for NC State from the line. As I mentioned, of those five double-digit scorers, only five other points, Manny Bates had two, Braxton Beverly three, those in a combined 31 minutes. Not a great night for NC State. The question was asked about how easy it is to flush a game like this. Keats seemed to indicate that it's never easy for a coach to flush a game. I've heard other coaches express that it's not all that difficult to flush a game when you have a particularly bad one. We'll see how NC State comes out and finishes out their season. But that's a tough result for NC State. Duke, meanwhile, (laughs) they have a very similar line. If you look at the way that they lined up, they had six double-digit scorers. Outside of those six, they had seven points. All of those from one player. Cassius Stanley shook off a rough weekend effort at Virginia. He had 18. He was 7 of 18 from the field, 4 of 5 from the free-throw line, blocked two shots, snared six boards. Vernon Carey behind him, 17 points. Just 4 of 6 from the field, 9 of 11 from the line, Seven boards, an assist, a steal, and two blocks for Carey in 27 minutes. Trey Jones, 16. Four of 14 from the field for Trey, but two of three from three 
five of six from the line, grabbed three rebounds, dished out four helpers, and recorded four pilfers, did Trey Jones in 40 minutes of gameplay tonight. Jordan Goldwire, 11 for the Blue Devils, five of seven from the field, one of three from three, six boards, five dimes, two steals for Goldwire. Speaking of people who bounce back from rough weekend efforts, Wendell Moore did just that for Duke. 10 points, 3 of 6 from the field, 4 of 4 from the line, 6 boards for Moore. Also had an assist. He played 26 minutes. And Justin Robinson, 10 points, 4 of 5 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3. He also grabbed 6 rebounds and dished out an assist. Also recorded a block. Duke. 30 of 63 from the field, 47.6%, but 63% in the second half. 17 of 27 were the Blue Devils in notching 50 second half points. They were 5 of 15 from 3 were Duke, 33.3%. 23 of 27 from the line, 85.2% for the Blue Devils. Taking a look at the hustle stats, breaking those down in a little further detail, we mentioned going inside the numbers a bit on State and Duke. 46-27 rebounding advantage for Duke. You'll recall the conversation after the last State-Duke affair saying that they just wanted to win more than we did. Talking about Duke. Tables were clearly turned earlier Monday night. 16 of those 46 boards were offensive for Duke. So the rebounding advantage clearly in favor of the Blue Devils all the way around 46-27 total, 16-9 offensively, 30-18 defensive rebounding. They each had 14 assists. Duke 12 turnovers, NC State 11. Bench points 38-17 for the Blue Devils. Another place where it really, really showed the difference between the two. Points in transition. State gave up 25 Duke points in transition. That is a monstrous number. Meanwhile, State only got six points on breaks. Duke grabbed eight steals, State seven. Points off turnovers, fairly close. 16-14 State. 46-36 in the paint for the Blue Devils. 15-8 on second chance points. So those 16 offensive rebounds for Duke turned into 15 points. Duke got to the line eight more times than did State. 27 free throw attempts, of which 23 fell for Duke. 19 for State. 12 of those found the net. A little bit of a number breakdown on NC State and Duke. Again, a 19-point victory for the Blue Devils. Season starting to wind down a bit. State starting to run out of time, although things might not be as dim for the pack, as you might expect, we'll talk about why coming up in the next segment. First break of the program is right now. We'll come back, go into a little bit deeper dive on the current state of the ACC and hoops. You're listening to Locked on ACC. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Locked on ACC. Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. Segment two of the program, and I mentioned on yesterday's show, if you'll recall, I was talking about something that Coach K had said over the weekend that was not particularly related to the Duke-UVA game. But he got into, and it's probably not fair to call it a rant, but he got into a discussion about the current state of the ACC, about its perception, 
and really where people see this league on the national landscape. Some pretty thought-provoking comments from Coach K, and I wanted to share those with you here from this weekend, Coach K. Mike, uh, you've mentioned playing in a game like this. The experience is going to help you guys going forward. How much do you take out of the fact that uh, one of the things that Trey mentioned was just he felt like the effort was better compared to the No, no, the effort was astronomically better because there wasn't an effort. <laughs> you know, but in saying that, any effort would have been better. But this was this was a our guys played hard, man. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm proud of my guys. I'm disappointed we lost, and congratulations to them. I mean, you know, I recognize good basketball and good hard basketball, and you appreciate your opponent, but you also need you know to appreciate your own team when they're playing that hard. And uh, uh, so, coached a lot of games. This is a this is a really good basketball game. This was not a good basketball game. This is a really good basketball game where every kid out there competed, and it came down to a play, you know, one way or the other. And you know, uh, as you go forward, you would hope that you would think that you're going to be in similar games and hopefully you make that one play more and advance you know this is basketball is not about getting bowl eligible so basketball is very difficult very very not that football isn't not not a bit making postseason is a lot more difficult in, uh, in this sport and you know we have teams you know, really playing hard in our league. You know, people are knocking our league, but, you know, Wake Forest won again today. You know, and, you know, Carolina is, is good. They, you know, if you, if you could give each coach four possessions, four possessions that have four more wins, that's how close. So when you, some more. But just four possessions, and and so when you get into just looking at records, it's sometimes deceiving on how good a, a team might be. They're not just if they're five hundred. They mean they're five hundred. They're three possessions away from being six games over five. five you know, if, you, if you're eight and eight, you take the three. It's eleven and five. Just. I'm good at math. And, uh, so what I'm saying, that that's a big thing. It's a huge thing. So winning close games is, is huge. And our league has had a lot of games like that. So when we judge our league, please you know, take a look. You don't have to judge me. I'm not going to be here that much longer. And I don't really care if you judge me. But I do care about our league. I think our league is better. And I've always, you know, one of the reasons we've been good is because we're in a great league. And, uh, you know, a lot of really, really close games. Guys are coaching their butts off. Kids are playing like crazy. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it all washes out. Some thoughts there from Coach K over the weekend and a couple of things to add to that. He was talking about the effort last time NC State played Duke and, uh, you you see now what happens when Duke gets effort. That's it. 
Coach K, love or hate Coach K, and I'm I'm just for transparency's sake, it doesn't really do me any good if I sit here and lie to you when you listen to me on this podcast. I grew up in Virginia. I grew up hating Coach K and not really hating him. It was more just that growing up a Virginia fan and you know, I keep that in check on this program because I am a media member at the moment and I, I need to be that way. People just kind of grew up disliking Coach K. They grew up disliking Carolina. It's just kind of one of those things that is special about growing up where we grew up in, in the ACC footprint. But you have to give the man credit. He stands up for his team. He stands up for his league. He doesn't pull any punches in that regard and... I'm not going to go into this really in depth on this program, but having seen him off the court and getting a chance to be around him a little bit off the court, I I respect the hell out of Coach K. I, I think he's a good man. A lot of people don't agree with that. If you don't, that's fine. You can hate him on the basketball court, but off the court, he's a good man. That said, he does defend this league, and he's got a point. You mean to tell me, if you're listening to this program, whether you love or hate Carolina, you, you're telling me that if you gave Carolina four more possessions, they wouldn't take them? Look at all the games that Carolina's lost by a possession this year. We had that stat on the, on the program a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about the games that Carolina had lost by two, three points. They'd lost them in the last second. You give them four possessions, who knows what they are? You give them Cole Anthony all year. Who knows what they are? And I know they didn't start all that hot when he came back, but they hammered Syracuse over the weekend and really showed you, they kind of gave you a glimpse of what they could have been this year. When you close the book on Carolina this year, it's going to look like a down year and they'll probably finish DFL and people will make jokes and they'll troll and whatever else, but you see some glimpses of what that team could have been. Wake Forest is starting to come on. Miami played without guys all year. Miami has done some things. Now, they laid an egg at Georgia Tech over the weekend. Let's not ignore that. But if you're honest with yourself, if you look around the ACC right now, they are six in the net as a conference, six in the RPI. They were... Good grief, they were almost 80 games over 500 non-conference, and sure, you can make your jokes about Duke and who they play and who they don't play, whatever, that's fine. But right now, look at the teams they have in the top 60 of the net. We can even keep it to the top 50 if you want, but the top 60 of the net, right now, you've got six teams. And maybe it's not what they once were. Fine. But in the net ranking, that's the latest net ranking, Duke 6, Louisville 8, Florida State 11, Virginia 50, NC State 55, Notre Dame 58. Now you start looking at the Q1 records, the Quadrant 1 records. Louisville 4 and 5, Florida State 5 and 4, Duke 4 and 4, Virginia 4 and 3. They've all beaten up on each other. That going into last night, of course. But then you start looking at other avenues, other places where you see where people slot these teams. Right now, if you were to look at the real-time RPI, for instance, as we sit recording this, Florida State's 4, Duke 8, 
Louisville 10, Virginia 27. So three teams in the top 10, four in the top 30, if we're looking at real-time RPI right now. And again, RPI is a metric, but a lot of these metrics inform other metrics. They inform other ways by which we analyze these teams. NC State 61. And you're not going to clearly choose the NCAA tournament bracket based off of just RPI. But if you did, NC State's in that discussion. Which leads us to Joe Lunardi's latest bracketology. However much credence you lend to Joe Lunardi, he has NC State among the first four out. But that could change at the drop of a hat. Right now, for whatever you tend to give Joe Lunardi, he has Virginia as a nine seed in the Midwest, which you'll recall just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Virginia as a possible play-in team. We talked about Virginia maybe going to Dayton. Now, they're a nine seed. To me, they're higher. To the RPI, they're higher. Net ranking, maybe a nine makes sense. But they have... Virginia as a nine seed playing Illinois in Omaha. Among other ACC participants in the NCAA tournament. Florida State on the two line in Tampa. They've been there for for quite a while. I don't think Florida State's moved off the two line in Tampa for, geez, weeks. They have them playing Little Rock as a 15 seed. And then there's Duke. Duke is now on the three line. But that's probably going to go up. Either way, it doesn't matter what seed Duke gets. Duke's going to Greensboro. Florida State's probably going to Tampa. They have Duke on the three line playing Colgate. Now, this is where this gets interesting. And I'll tell you about Louisville's seed in a minute. If this were to actually happen, and again, I know we're throwing conjecture out here and This is all just fun to talk about. But let's just say, on the other side of them in Greensboro, you have a 6-seeded Michigan and an 11-seeded East Tennessee State team. If ETSU slips past Michigan, I would pay admission to watch Steve Forbes and Mike Krzyzewski coach against each other. If you don't know Steve Forbes, if you don't know his story, if you don't know his team, do some homework. This is an ACC podcast, so we won't talk much about him yet. Just trust me on this. Meanwhile, Louisville, as of right now, according to Lenardi, is a third seed in St. Louis and would open up with Casey Alexander's fight in Belmont Bruins. Another team you need to do your homework on if you are studying up on potential teams that your favorite ACC club might face on that three line. That's a tough opening matchup for Louisville if they get it. I love Chris Mack. I trust Chris Mack in the postseason. But that's not a good matchup for Louisville. So as we wind down this segment, let's just kind of sum it up this way. Believe what you want to believe about the ACC and and all the national commentary is that the ACC is down and it's just a a bunch of, you know, people with broken legs trying to, to race to the finish line to see which person with the broken leg runs fastest. That's fine. And if we're being realistic, the ACC probably isn't what it has been this year. 
But if you do a little homework, if you actually look at some of these things and spend a little time diving into this, and you might want to log this tape, Josh, my managing editor at College Hoops Digest, make this into a ringtone, because I know you will. Coach K's right. Now that I've said that, I need to shower. We'll come back with the third segment of the program. This is Locked on ACC. Don't you dare go anywhere. Welcome back to Locked on ACC, March 3rd, 2020. I'm all better now. Hopefully I never have to say that again. Just two games on the ACC landscape tonight. For those of you who want to watch ACC men's basketball, you have two options. Syracuse and BC, 7 o'clock ESPN 2. The Orange minus 4 at BC. Syracuse 16 and 13, BC 13 and 16. And then 7 o'clock over ACC Network, 13 and 15 Wake at 12 and 17 Carolina. Carolina minus 7 in that game. I'm a little iffy on that line and that game. And again, the usual disclaimer I always give, don't you dare take one ounce of gambling advice from me. I am not offering it. If you bet on anything I ever tell you and you lose anything, you deserve every penny that you lost. That said, look at the way Wake is trending. Of course, look at the way Carolina is trending. It's a lot more compelling game now than it might have been before. If you look at the predictor for tonight's games, if you look at Nolan Analytics, the predictor shows Syracuse 74, BC 68 for tonight. Syracuse a 70% win probability. They list over under at 142. Then another predictor lists 73-69 Syracuse. 58-42 win probability for the Orange. Wake Carolina, meanwhile, one of the predictions shows 79-75 Carolina. 64-36 in win probability for the Heels over under a 154. And then the other predictor, 80-74 Carolina. 60-40 for the Heels. So if you're wanting some Basketball with consequence, it's out there tonight, folks. Just may not have been the games that you were expecting to watch at this point that would have any consequence. The women's ACC matchups have been announced. The women's ACC tournament starting soon, and this, courtesy of the league, Louisville, the number one seed on the women's side, the Greensboro Coliseum will welcome the ACC women's basketball tournament. Tips off Wednesday, so tomorrow, through Sunday. There will be three first-round matchups Wednesday, four second-round matchups Thursday. Friday's the quarters, Saturday the semis, and the championship game Sunday at noon. Wednesday, the 12th-seeded North Carolina Tar Heels, they are 16-13 and 13 overall, 7-11 and 11 in the ACC. They'll face 13-seeded Wake, 14-15, 7 and 11, that a 1 o'clock tip. The second game at 3.30, 
tenth-seeded Notre Dame, thirteen and seventeen, eight and ten, and we we've not gotten into analyzing a lot of women's basketball on this program, but it's been kind of a rough year for Muffet McGraw and the Irish. They've been a national power for a long while, and this year, four games below five hundred, thirteen and seventeen overall, eight and ten in the ACCs. I mentioned they'll play fifteenth-seeded Pitt, four and twenty-five, one and seventeen in the ACC. That's a three thirty tip, six thirty. Wednesday night closes us out. 11 seeded Miami, 15 and 14, 7 and 11. They'll face 14 seeded Clemson, who's 7 and 22, 3 and 15 in the ACC. Thursday morning, 11 a.m., 5 seed Virginia Tech. They are 21 and 8, 11 and 7 in the league. They will play the winner of Carolina and Wake. 8 seed Syracuse, 15 and 14, 9 and 9. They'll face number nine, Virginia, who is 13 and 16, 8 and 10. Thursday's third game, seventh seeded Georgia Tech, 19 and 10, 10 and 8. They will take on the Notre Dame Pittsburgh winner. And then the Thursday, 8 o'clock game, sixth seed Boston College, 18 and 11, 11 and 7. They will face the Miami Clemson winner. Your four buys. Louisville number one, they will play on Friday, 2 o'clock. NC State, the second seed, they will play 6 o'clock Friday. Duke, the third seed, they will play at 8 o'clock Friday. And Florida State, the four, they will play at 11 o'clock on Friday. Those teams get the buys all the way to Friday. All of the games... Wednesday through Friday are on your regional sports network. So if you have Fox Sports Carolinas or Tennessee or Florida or whatever you may have, you can find them there. Saturday, the semis, noon for the first semi. That'll be on ESPNU, 2.30 for the second, that on ESPNU as well. And the championship game Sunday at noon on ESPN2. So there, your ACC brackets on the women's side... That will wind down Locked on ACC for March 3rd, 2020. I'm Brian Wilmer. Thanks for joining us. Again, tweet the show at Locked on ACC. Send us an email, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. And join us back here tomorrow after you tell all your friends, family, and business associates to continue listening to the program. See you tomorrow. Love you. Mean it. (laughs)